This is Research Software Engineer Stories, coming straight at you from USRSC, the U.S. Research Software Engineer Association. Welcome to RSC Stories. I'm Vanessa Socket, and joining me today, I have another V, Veronica Melese Vergara, who is an HPC engineer at Oak Ridge National Lab. Veronica, I watched a short clip about your work called Inspired by Science, and it totally blew me away. It sounds like you're working with some really amazing systems and people. But before we jump in, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, how you started in Ecuador, and you ended up in a leadership position at a national lab? Hi, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Great to be in the podcast. So my name is Veronica Melissa Vergara. I've been in U.S. since about 2005. I'm originally from Quito, Ecuador, and so I've lived in Quito most of my life uh, before moving here, and my family is there also, but I was going to school there. I did two years of uh, university in Ecuador at a university called San Francisco de Quito, and we had an exchange program. They had, they allowed you to like apply to come to U.S. to several institutions, so I applied to come to U.S. to several schools, and my top choice was a small school in Oregon called Reed College. And it was a liberal arts school, which was the same as my school back home. So I thought it would be similar. But when I arrived at, in Portland, Oregon, I realized it was very different. They cared more about like the knowledge rather than you finish like a hundred problem sets. They just wanted you to know things and they want encourage asking questions and encourage questioning things. And it was a very different education system. And it's a very small school, maybe like 1,200, 1,300 students in the whole university. But... It was really nice because you know your professors by name. You get to actually interact with them regularly. And that kind of woke up a little part of my curiosity, I guess you could say, and introduced me a little bit to how you can merge different disciplines. Back home, I was an electronic engineer, but at Reed, since it was liberal arts, they didn't have engineering. So I kind of started doing math and physics, but I really like computers. So I became a math and physics major, but took all the classes that they offer in the math department or the physics department that were related to computers. And back then, they didn't used to have a computer science major, but since then, Reed has a computer science department now. It let me shape a little bit what I wanted to study and introduced me to scientific computing in my senior year. And for Reed, if you want to graduate, you have to do a research project. So my professor, who was in physics department, was interested in scientific computing, and he had a small cluster. That was actually an Apple cluster that I've never seen before. He said, oh, here's our system. You can choose a topic. I'll guide you. And it's all yours if you want to do whatever simulation. I did independent research to figure out how to do some simulation and try to simulate crystal growth and how snowflakes grow. And ended up making my thesis about how crystals are formed and understanding different algorithms that people use. It was interesting to me, but maybe not necessarily applicable to real world immediately because it was undergrad level, but it made me fall in love with being able to make simulations and like build simulations and work with computers to create and understand the real world. So I finished my, my undergrad and went to work in Portland. It was like 2008, so recession had hit. It was a terrible time to be looking for jobs, but there was a company, many companies in Portland in Hillsborough area that do technology. So I ended up working at webmd.com. And it was a nice job, like the people were nice and everything was good, but at the same time, it was not necessarily related to science or physics or the things that I had started to really enjoy. So I decided to leave, even though it was a nice, comfortable job, and go back to school. And I was a little bit tired of Portland rain, even though it's like very green and pretty. 
it's always overcast and I'm from Ecuador, I need to see the sun. I moved to Florida and Tallahassee, Florida to do my master's in computational science. And that kind of gave me an opportunity to explore many areas, not just the one that I had done in undergrad, but I had bioinformatics, I had data science, material science, molecular dynamics. I finished my master's, but during that time I had applied for a student volunteer program of supercomputing that, I don't, if you're not familiar, is like the largest uh, international high-performance computing and networking and storage conference in the world. And it happens in November every year. So I had no idea that a conference existed at the time when I was a grad student. But one of my professors said, hey, this is this program. They, if you get it, the scholarship, you get to go to this conference and you get to listen to talks, interact with professionals, maybe find a job. So I applied, got in, went, and then I realized there were so many fields that you can work in hardware, you can work in software, you can work at like the big chip companies, you could work at MATLAB, the MADWORKS projects, like any kind of industry touches HPC. And I was like, oh, this could be a career. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to get more interested in this. And I ended up doing my master's research project, trying to use parallel programming to basically accelerate the Lonely Triangulation algorithm, which is used to generate grids that is used in many types of simulations. And then once I finished, I graduated and at, through supercomputing conference, I actually found a few contacts that bought at Intel and at universities. And I found a job at Purdue University. They had a research computing department that basically housed big clusters, academic clusters, and they like supported the faculty and the researchers there. And it was a nice job because one, it was in a city that I wanted to live in because my now husband was doing his PhD at Purdue. And two, it was one of the largest systems that they had in academia in US was housed at Purdue. So I got a job there and then I worked there for three years or so. And it was also really nice because I hadn't worked with the type of architecture that they, they were having. And I worked with different professors and different disciplines to like support people and support the researchers and address problems, install software, develop software to allow researchers to have new tools. It was like very, very a variety of tasks and work that you could do. And then same thing with through the conference, supercomputing, because I kept going every year since Purdue is a big player in the HPC area. I kept going and then I, I met a couple of people and made contact through networking and this job opportunity at Oak Ridge came up, but my husband was still doing his PhD and I was like, Oak Ridge is one of the best places to do high performance computing in the US. So it was an opportunity that I knew if I didn't take, I was gonna regret. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go do this. And once he finished his PhD, we were gonna figure out what to do. Since neither of us are from US, he's from Ethiopia. And I started working here and got to see all the awesome things they do here with research at scales that I haven't even touched before. Like it was such a magnitude in the scale that people work on simulations here, the machines that they build, the entire process and like the expertise that they have in the lab. It was just like an awesome place to work. And it was made me excited to continue working here and like working this project and support large scale science and find new ways to provide support for research and science in general. It's been five years ago now that I've been working at Oak Ridge and I really enjoy that. And I've been able to have opportunities to lead teams to accept Summit, which is currently the fastest supercomputer in the world. And it's, it's very exciting and there's lots of learning opportunities. And sometimes things are challenging because of the, uh, we're working with state-of-the-art architectures, but that's kind of part of the rewarding aspect of the whole job. Like you'll be able to learn things that nobody else in the world is using yet. And you get to kind of shape how that product becomes a product or just help 
people learn about this new thing that is coming up as a new technology. Wow, so you have a really interesting background. You've largely followed your gut and you've spent a little bit of time in academia, a little in industry, and also national labs. Can you reflect on a high level about differences in those environments or takeaways and where you found yourself to be the happiest? Government is a nice, happy medium because you get some of the academia aspects, but academia alone can also be a hard environment because there's not that many jobs and not that much funding available for everybody to become a faculty or everybody to become a researcher. In industry, there's lots of funding and lots of opportunities, but the goal in industry can be more driven by whatever the product the company makes rather than, oh, we're going to make something better. We're going to solve this hard problem. And I feel like it's, I guess, a little bit of both. In a national lab, I get to, to work on a broad scale of problems, codes, fields, and you also get to practice. In my case, what I studied in some sense is still exercised in my high-performance computing engineer job. You started to talk about Summit, and I got really excited because Summit <laughs> is a big deal. Can you tell us more about Summit and what's so different and special about it? Uh, sure. So Summit currently the fastest supercomputer in the world that is usually ranked by the top 500 list. And every year there's two lists and people from all over the world, institutions, universities, all kinds of national labs and equivalent to national labs here in the U.S. They have big systems and they build these big systems to do large scale science. So if you think about a simulation of the weather throughout like the last, 100 years or the climate has changed in like all these uh, different periods of time and try to make predictions or like if you want to understand how like stars explode you need a lot of compute power to do those things if you want to do something with a lot of accuracy or if you want to solve a problem that is too big for the computing resources that you have that it will take you i don't know a whole year to do people build these large scale machines that are clusters or supercomputers that are designed to do computer models at large scale. So Summit was put into production at the beginning of January, the beginning of 2019, and it's currently number one. It's held the number one position in the top 100 list. And it was a really exciting project because we were trying to build a supercomputer that could provide enough compute power for the next generation of science. So we had Oak Ridge had been home of Titan, which was the first large supercomputer designed to take advantage of GPU accelerators for science. So Titan had uh, over 18,000 nodes and each node had one GPU, whereas Summit has a little over 4,600 nodes, but each node has six GPUs. So the scale from Titan to Summit went from like 27 petaflops to 200 plus petaflops. It allows scientists and researchers to think of problems that they haven't thought before. Because sometimes if you're trying to do something, you're only limited by the resources you have. So by expanding the resources and compute power, for example, you can try to think of a problem that you haven't even considered because you thought it was not attainable. So having this compute power allows you to solve larger problems, even think outside the box, think bigger, or come up with new ways of solving the same simulation or improving your algorithms to provide more accuracy, for example. A lot of our understanding of compute tends to be on the level of a desktop, the thing that's sitting in front of us, especially if you're sort of a scientist and you're sitting in a lab. And so when we think about something like integration testing, file systems, it's very limited to maybe that representation. And maybe we have also like a, a small cluster or university. Can you attempt to explain how does something like, I guess we can focus on testing, how does something like testing scale to a resource of that size? 
Well, the the way that at least our operation center usually does their testing in a different manner, but for when you're deploying a new system, which is actually the the project that I was leading for Summit was the acceptance testing portion. So before we put the system in the hands of users, we actually do a very thorough test plan. We go through a test plan that ensures that both the hardware is ready to go and that the software stack that the vendor provides, it meets the quality and meets the scale that people are going to run on Summit. Say if you were running only one node of Summit, maybe everything is fine, but if you run on the entire machine, like if you run one simulation that uses the 4,600 plus nodes, you want to make sure that the simulation doesn't crash in 30 seconds because somebody didn't test that the network can handle that traffic or somebody didn't test that it could handle that heat load when this whole machine is running. So we test component-wise and we test the whole stack separately, and then we also try attempt to do realistic tests. I would say it's like, in a desktop, maybe you will test a few things, but on a system of the scale of Summit, because you have many components from like network, how it is connected to the file system, how many layers of hardware you have to go through before, even even software, the software components, you have a software for the GPU, you have software, specific software that makes sure that you can run on the parallel file system. So you have to test in a much larger scale and at a different level. So you start with one node, but you have to test wide range of problems with wide range of applications and libraries. So make sure you touch as many things as you can. You obviously can't test everything, but we tried to make it as comprehensive as we could with the time that was allotted to us. Interesting. So let's say that Summit is humming along, everything looks good, and I'm a researcher. I just got an allocation. How do you help me to optimally run my code? So the OCS, the Oculus Leadership Computing Facility, is set up in different ways. So depending on what kind of help you need, you get maybe a computational science instead of a high-performance computing engineer. So we try to work with you if like you're facing, for example, every so often. And that's kind of what I love about this job, the HPC engineer role. It's like you get a problem, and every day you get like many different kinds of problems they have to deal with. It's never like the same problem over and over. You get all kinds of questions from people and I really enjoy that. But depending on the level of help, like I was mentioning before, we have uh, different allocation programs that are managed. Some are managed by DOE. One is managed by actually our facility. So if, if you receive an allocation for one of the DOE managed programs, it's usually a large allocation that is for a whole year and it's like many, many millions of hours. And those programs actually get an assigned computational scientist that is part of the scientific computing group at the OSCS. But for everybody that doesn't get the kind of like the big allocations, we support all kinds of other smaller programs and we get questions. So if you say, oh, I am not able to run on Summit, I don't know what's wrong. One of us get your information, run your code, try to figure out what's wrong. And it could be something in your code. It could be something that you found a bug in the stack that only happens say a race condition in the stack. Depending on the level of the problem, we try to triage the problem and then work with the vendors. So for some in case, we work with IBM and NVIDIA. We narrow down to which software component we think might be the problem. If we think it's a, something in the vendor stack, the vendor has to provide us a patch. If it turns out that it's maybe a software bug in the user's code, that also helps to provide diagnosis information and log information to the user so they can fix the problem in their software as well. Interesting. So you've thrown around a couple of different, I guess I'll call them roles, a, a computational scientist. You've talked about vendors and there's definitely HPC administrators in there. What does the term research software engineer, what does that mean at Oak Ridge? 
Is it something, is it a term that people use? Is it like a relatively new thing that people are starting to use? Does it describe a current role that has a different name? Give me a sense of what an RSE means at Oak Ridge. I think like as a title itself, there is a new, I guess I would call it a group that was formed recently that is basically made of software developers that are working in different projects. So you can be a researcher that maybe does not do software, and but you have a software and you want to improve it. You can tap one of the folks in that group, and I believe that's run by JJ Billings. I think as a research software engineer, anybody that is running codes on Summit, because when we put Summit in place, we didn't have codes that were developed to run in six GPUs per node. People have been running on Titan, they have one GPU per node. So there are things, architecture, that you, if you want to take advantage of the architecture of the node, you have to change things in your code. You could run your code without, but then you're leaving a lot of performance on the table. So there's always a lot of development work that happens, even though the person itself may not be a software engineer. So I would call that a research software engineer, even though that's not their official title. What advice would you give to someone who is interested in doing research at a national lab? I mean, if they have the opportunity, I would definitely say apply to our internship programs. We have Lots of interns that come every summer. The lab is about 4,000 or so staff, and every summer we have over 600 interns that come. There are opportunities, if you're, even if you're not in computing, there's lots of opportunities, and that is a good way to get your foot in the door, but also just to see if you like the environment, because national labs are, in my opinion, are awesome, and they're like a mixture of both academia and industry world, but some people may prefer academia, some people may prefer industry, but having the experience and being able to work with researchers that are experts in the field, it's really good regardless of whether you decide to stay in National Lab or not. Are there any open source projects that someone who's not still a student could get involved with? I know there are a lot that, for example, I don't know if you've heard about a SPAC, but that's a big one from a National Lab and uh, Lawrence Livermore. They have the SPAC project that is actually available for, it's on GitHub, so anybody can join and it's actually used in many institutions. And there is a kind of like a listing of the different projects available in each lab website. For some cases, it's kind of hard to actually move to a open source because some of the codes may be export control, but there's lots of apps that are not. The national labs are, especially Oak Ridge is managed by Office of Science. So most of the projects we do are open science. You can talk about them, you can share the code, you can just publish, but there are a few that you actually cannot do that with. I would definitely recommend to contact folks in the leadership computing facilities, both at Argonne, NERSC, Oak Ridge, and also at the NSA labs and like Lawrence Livermore National Lab usually has a big presence in open source. Awesome. So we're coming up at time. I'll just ask you a couple more questions. What's your favorite thing about working at Oak Ridge National Lab? I think definitely getting to work with people that are experts in the field. Like, But there's folks there that have worked there for like 20 plus years and they have all the expertise and they they're happy to talk to you about anything and everything that you want to know about it. I find that really awesome because I can learn so much from them. What do you miss most about Ecuador? I don't know if you go back regularly, but it sounds like you're mostly decided to stay here. Uh, well, the food <laughs> and, and the weather, like that, those are two things that are, well, obviously my family, but they're slowly moving to other countries, so I get to see them every year. I've lived in Oregon, Indiana, Tennessee, and Florida, and out of the four places, Tennessee is kind of like closest to, I would say. I mean, the Smoky Mountains 
are like tiny in comparison to the Andes, but there's mountains, there's green, there's trees, there's sun most of the year. It's pretty nice. It's not Ecuador, but it's pretty nice. <laughs> so if you weren't an engineer, let's say that your life had taken a different path and you decided to pursue something else. What do you think that something else would have been? I actually wanted to be a vet, a veterinarian when I was little. I wish maybe that could be my other career. That would be my second career choice. Yeah, or, or maybe there could be a project that's related to sort of wildlife, either movement, migration, or extinction. There, there's got to be some interesting projects. I think that's becoming more of something that people are looking at with all the climate change going on. Yeah, the conservation project. When I was at Purdue, one of my friends that was very involved with open source, he gave me a bunch of pointers of like different open source projects. And there was one that was working a little bit with conservation. It was an open source project. If there was endless amount of time, I think something like that will allow me to use my skills. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to briefly mention? We are hiring at Oak Ridge. We actually have a few HPC engineer positions available. No, I would say a few, but like we have HPC engineer and an HPC software specialist position open at right now in our group. So if anybody's interested to learn more about that, I'm happy to tell them about it. And we have a new machine coming frontier, which would be even way bigger than Summit and will allow us to do all kinds of cool science. So if you're interested in being part of that, I'm happy to talk more about it or contact me. I can tell you all about that. There's a lot of other things that I guess probably should have mentioned. I tried to stay involved in the activities to encourage underrepresented minorities to stay in computing, to come to computing. And I manage one of the programs that brings undergraduate students to the lab to work in computing fields. And then they're from underrepresented groups in computing. So that's one of the things that I try to do as much as I can. Veronica, it was so wonderful having you today. I always really enjoy hearing different perspectives and I don't know really anything about working at a national lab and you've sort of grown my my world perspective just a little bit with our conversation and so i i really appreciate it and i guess I'll, i'm excited to hear about what new projects you guys do with summit they're always all over you know hpc wire so i'm sure i'll hear <laughs> yeah and i'd love to stay in touch like uh, thank you for having me in the podcast 